coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc and we're going to go over some stuff. We don't have a guest because we don't need a guest. We did that already. Uh, we did that last week. Been there, done that. Yeah. So no we're gonna, guest. We're going to talk about stuff. When MMA you have John stuff. Hackleman, you don't need a guest. You're the guest every week, man. Even when we have a guest, I'm the guest. <laughs> the clown. Whatever. Anyway, okay. So, let's talk about some upcoming fights. Um, let's talk about that later. So, um, so my daughter just went off to school, and she's uh, studying pre-nursing. And I wanted to ask you, because this is something I don't know about, about you, is how did you decide to go to nursing school? Like, what was it for you? When did you decide to do that? First of all, I'm fighting. I got kids. I'm doing odd, like, regular jobs. That how old are you at this point? 20, I'll say 23. 22, 23. I got two kids. Barely making it, working like as a cook, fighting pro as a boxer and a kickboxer, you know, trying to support the kids. My 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 wife at the time wasn't working, and the one of the trainers at the gym was a respiratory therapist. So I thought that was interesting. I've always really been into lungs. I just because I've always been a, been training and I've always just been trying to figure out ways to get more lung capacity and you know I've always been into lungs if there's one part of the body that I've been into it's the lungs so anyways I, I, I thought it was interesting respiratory therapy so he would talk to me and he actually talked me into going to school for respiratory therapy what were you doing at the time for money I was working at a place called the Pritikin Longevity Center which was a diet at the time the Pritikin diet and they had their own center where you, it was an in-house 30-day program where they would make all kind of promises like, you know, get your, your blood pressure down. Even if you're a diabetic, it, they would get your blood sugar in, in, you know, in order. And it was a live-in facility where there was a gym. They would do like walks. And then there was a dining room where all the, the, the guests or the clients got to stay. And they, we would cook for them. And it was a Pritikin diet, which was something crazy, like 85% carbs and like 10% protein and 5% fat. It was a crazy diet, but it was, it was around a while. So I was cooking there and loving that job because it was, I started working at six, I, I worked from like six to two. So I would run there and I lived about a mile and a half, two miles away. So I'd run to work and then I would work all, so that was my morning run. And I was right on the beach in Santa Monica. That was my morning run. Then I would cook, and we got to eat all the meals we wanted to. So I would save money on meals. And then at 2 o'clock, I would go to the gym. And the gym was like, it was like 300 yards away. It was the Muhammad Ali boxing gym. So then I would go train, and then boom, then I'd go home. So it was like the perfect everything. Um, but then this guy talked me into respiratory school and respiratory school was a nightmare because I still had to work. Then I had to train still. 
And now I was going to school. And, and you were still fighting? I was still fighting. Um, and I was going to respiratory school, which I found, for some reason, I found pretty easy. Except for the physics. Because there's physics involved. Because there's so much of respiratory has to do with, with uh, you know, air and, and different, uh, you know, uh, like, like laws. Like, because like, you have, like, if you have, you know, more pressure... But the same temperature and the same volume. Then you have Boyle's law, Charles' law, Pasquale's law. You know, you got the Venturi principle. There's all those kind of gas laws. So, so we had, that was probably my hardest class was physics. But anyways, I finished respiratory school. I became a respiratory therapist, and my life changed like boom. It went from like struggling, barely could make it. Never driving my car because I couldn't even afford gas. So I was catching the bus and, and, you know, getting home to my kids. And, you know, it was it was a grind. It was not a grind. It was a nightmare. So once you finished school, did you go work in I that field right away? Right away. And my life just... Where, where'd you go work? My first hospital I worked at was... Was... North Hollywood Medical Center. So you were working, running the ventilators and stuff? Yeah. And doing blood gases, intubating, just uh, doing all that stuff, and um, and this is my lifestyle because I, my 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 hourly rate in like probably tripled, or maybe yeah, probably tripled, and my lifestyle just I got an apartment and I got a car, uh, a used car, but a car, and I always had gas, and if the tire went, I could fix the tire, and my life just changed. And it got that much better. Um, I still trained. I still fought. But my, but, but my baseline lifestyle was just so much better. And that made, made so many changes for me. Um, but so I did that. And then I did that for a few years. And then one day, I, um, I was interested in a lot of the parts of it. Like ICU, ER. And I would get involved in a lot of stuff. So I'd like hang out in the ER and... I figure out how to do other things like IVs. I figured out how to start an IV. Um, I was taught how to suture. Um, I just started, I liked that stuff. So I do like nursing stuff and even stuff above that. Like I said, like uh, I would intubate, I would suture. And I thought I would make, I could make about five or $10 more an hour if I became a registered nurse. And I was like, oh, shit, I can't go back to school. I can't, there's no way I could afford it. Um, but I did. And I just took a few classes here, a few classes there, and then boom, jumped into nursing, the nursing program. And uh, so it was your foot in the door in the hospital. Yeah. Doing something else that got you huge, interested in the nursing. Huge, yeah. And it was a huge help. I mean, uh, did you meet a nurse that like helped that you like looked up to no. or taught you stuff, or you just saw what they were doing? No, I just saw what they were doing. I saw that, and I was thinking of moving, um, and I realized where I was going to move to which is here, didn't, didn't have as many respiratory jobs, but there was a shit ton of nursing jobs. I thought, and I, we weren't going to move yet, but I was thinking, I think, I'm gonna get, I think this would make my life this much more secure if I became an RN. So I went, I went to school and became an RN, and it didn't really change my lifestyle that much, but it gave me a lot more security because I knew that as a respiratory therapist, I'll always make a, live, a good living wage where I can live and support my family really well. But as an RN, I could not only support myself really well, but I could just work anywhere. I mean, I could work. I could go to a new town and 
and just say, you know, I could probably be working within a week. Still could. Nursing so, is still nursing. under high demand. We work with so many of these travelers. Traveling nurses. Traveling. It's a new thing. Single. I mean, if you're single, a traveling nurse, you go to different... Yeah, they always had travelers, but they get to go to different places. They put you up in a house. They find your place. And you work at different hospitals, and you change every like three to six months, and they pay you a good wage, and it's like you can see the work. You can go to the, you can go like any country as a traveler. It's it's such a good job. We we work with a lot of them that just want to get out and see, see the world or see different towns or I think it's a neat way to discover even just this country. So these traveling nurses, it's a big thing because there's nursing shortages. Yeah. And so these travelers will come from areas where there isn't a shortage and they'll fill in. But So that's pretty popular. You never did that, did you? I never did because I always had kids. It's not a good thing to do if you have kids unless you want to bring your kids along and you can like have like family you know, go around. But I think if you're a single person or you're like married and you want to bring your spouse with you all the time, uh, it's a great way to see the country. Or the world, because you can go, there's all kind of countries that take traveling nurses from here. Um, so, being a registered nurse, or a respiratory therapist, but in that medical field, those two professions, um, you'll just always be able to support yourself really well, and, you, and it's a good security blanket. I mean, because you, be, you could be younger and be a nurse and work in the ER and get exciting work and work in the prison, work in the jail. And then when you start getting a little older like I am, you could work in a nursing home. You could, you could do, uh, you know, you could, you could work at med surge. You could, uh, you could work at hospice. There's so many different, you could be a psych nurse and you don't ever have to get your hands dirty. So there's so many different branches of nursing that it's mind-boggling. So it's like there's professions inside of the profession. There, I think nursing has the most of that. You can be a nurse practitioner that has more training and sees their own patients, usually works in a physician's office, but yeah. sees their own patients, takes care of their own patients. You can be a, a registered nurse first assistant, which is someone that I'll use in the operating room to assist us during surgery. And some of them are so skilled. And they've been doing it forever, and they get to do a lot, so they get yeah. entrusted to be able to do a ton of stuff in the operating room. Um, you could be a nurse on the floor. You could be a nurse in the ER. You could be a nurse. You could do almost anything in nursing. We have nurses at our surgery center. They don't have to take call. They just get to work, you know, regular hours and yeah. go home at a decent hour, go home at yeah, 3 o'clock. Nine to five. They can work at 9 to 5, or you can be an ER nurse and work crazy shifts. If you like that fast pace, you can work in an ER and friggin' L.A., work the night shift, South Central L.A., see gunshots, stabbings. I mean, or you can just sit back and work in a med surge in a little town and just uh, have your regular patients and give them their medication three times a shift. And it, it's, it's, there's so much work to do as a nurse. It, I would recommend it to anyone. Like, why don't you just be a doc if you're going to be a nurse? Well, I could never be a doc. It's like I would never – I never even thought about being a doc, and I never would want to. It just to me, it was way too much schooling that I probably couldn't have done. But even if I could, mentally, which I couldn't, I just wouldn't want to spend that much time. I never would want to spend that much time, um, you know, thinking <laughs> or studying. But as an RN, you know, you you make a you can make a really good living, and and the schooling's not really that hard. It really is not that hard. Nursing school. I'm not I'm not putting down nursing because I'm a nurse. It was not difficult for me at all. I never went home one day and said, shit, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. I never went home one day as a nurse and said, oh, I got to figure this out like I would have if I was a, 
an engineer or or a or a doctor or anything. It just I never I it, it never baffled me. It never stifled me to be a nurse. It was it was work and you had to like put in the time and you know do the things you had to do, but it wasn't it wasn't above my reach and I'm a really average guy. I'm not really smart, but this was a well within my reach and a way to make a lot of money. So I mean I yeah, I would recommend nursing to anyone. Um, and you can pretty much make your own schedule. As you a worked nurse. in that field for quite a long time, didn't you? I worked as a nurse from uh, I don't know, I worked as an RN, I mean a RT for like a few years, then I kinda did both for a little while. Um, and then I probably was an RN from eighty eight to two thousand and two. Just an RN. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, and then before that I was an RT, which is there's a lot of similarities to that. Um, but you've been out of it for sixteen years? Yeah, and I I, oh, I I didn't know that. And I was keeping my license up to this year because I, I I just let it lapse by mistake. But I'm gonna call to to get it reenacted because I like to keep my license, even though I don't think I'll ever be an RN again. I just want to know that I can if like this whole karate thing doesn't work out, um, that I could I could actually just jump I could get have a job tomorrow. I, I see more you not the whole karate thing doesn't work out. I just see you doing something like that in some of your free time at some point. I, like, I am like working in a hospice. hospice. I can see you doing that. I would love to work hospice and one of my best friends was an RT with me when I first got my first job and we did this uh RT thing where we would deliver oxygen and, and, and other things to, to home pay. It was home care, uh, respiratory home care. And then I left and got into my RN stuff and karate thing. And he took over that business, which we, which some, some, R, some doctor owned it. But he sold it to Folly. And Folly turned it into this huge company that he's done so well in L.A., and I was, I've been talking to him on the phone the last couple of days, weird coincidence, we're talking about maybe me taking some patience or uh, a little bit of work up here, you know, so basically I'd be my own boss, but I get to see home patients that way. They could either be hospice or home health care. Um, so I'm thinking about getting my foot back in the door just because I do love medical and, and, and I'm kind of like gearing down to just kind of do other things and... Uh, well, I think the ultimate thing to do is you can do things you want to do. You certainly don't have to do it. But if you had an interest in want to do it, those are the things in life that are fun, at least for me. Things that you go do because you want to do it. You're not making money at it or don't need the money from it. You just want to do it. Yeah. So you get to a point in your life where you can do that. I think that's great if you decide to do that. I love it. And one thing you have to do is pay off your house. Um, and my house will be paid off in like uh, three years which is, is mind-boggling to me. Uh, my house will be paid off in three years, and that's going to that's gonna free a lot, up a lot of mental RAM, knowing that your house is paid off. And I, can't, I come up with nothing, so I was like, like always in the back of my mind, oh, shit, what if, what if I can't pay my rent? What if I can't pay my mortgage? And then once the house is paid off, things are going to be like, ah. when's your house paid off? Uh, my house will be paid off in 10 years. So you'll be about you'll be a little younger than me, bastard. That's my goal. <laughs> pay off your ten, pay off your house in ten years. Yeah. When do you want to retire 
completely. Like, like when I retire completely, I'm saying 65. I'm almost 60. But when I retire completely, I'm still coming to the gym every day. You're not. What are you talking about? You're not going to retire. No, I'm going to retire in my mind. So in other words, I'm still going to come to the gym every day. <laughs> Nothing will change. But I'm going to. I'm going to in my mind. I'm going to say I could be at the beach right now, if I want to. So by but now I can't do that because it's like I got to go to work, got to go to the gym, got to do this. But by 65, when I turn 65, I'm going to retire. But I'm still going to go to the gym every day. But I'm not. I'm going to do it because I want to instead of I have to. Well, we have a partner that's older in our group that. He's working part time now, and he loves it because he's not. He's kind of. He could retire, but he's just doing it because he enjoys it, and he's working just a couple days a week. So for him, I talked to him about it, and he just he just totally loves what he's doing because he's choosing to do it. He doesn't need to do it for money. He just loves what he does, and he has so many skills that he's built up over such a long time, and he's good at it. That it's a shame to leave. Like I have a neighbor also that is a doctor, and he retired, and it's kind of. He's a young guy, and it's kind of a shame that he did because he's got he's so good at what he does. So for me, like I love what I do. Uh, I could do ten percent less and still be happy. You know, uh, you know, some of my weeks get crazy, crazy busy, and you're just you know. Could you do ten percent less and live on that? Yeah. So, but it, maybe I wouldn't pay off my house in ten years. <laughs> so, and you know, and I got I got another that kid that just started college yeah, uh, Saturday. So. You know, I got. I'm in the phase of my life where I'm working, but I like what I do. Yeah. Um, it took a long time to, to, you know, go to school to do what I do, and I like what I do. Luckily, because I do know people that have gone through a lot of schooling and don't like what they do. Yeah. Which is really, that's really sad. What also. is the percentage you think of people that just fucking do it? They live for the weekend. I just read something that was. I think it's really high. You. you yeah. And I just read something today that's really, oh, God, I forget where I put it, but the, probably the most important quote, it was a couple quotes, but one of them was, if you're living for the weekend, you are already dead. And that is so true. There's so many people that just try to get through their nine to five every day and they hate it just to get to the weekend. You're dead if you have to live like that. I, I mean, I haven't had to live like that since I was in my early 20s because to be honest, once I became a respiratory therapist, I loved what I did. I loved going to work. I loved working on patients. I loved it. And then when I became an ER nurse, and, and I loved doing it. It was like, I, I suture people for, I would suture them for free. And I had done that. I would start IVs for free. And I had done that. I mean, I loved what I was doing. But now I took over the gym. And, and it's like, I honestly wake, I swear to God, I wake up every morning. You could ask my wife because she's a non-believer. I wake up every morning and I thank God that I am where I am. And it's like, it's like, what the, I can't believe I get to go do what I'm doing every day. I get to hang on, this, I'm getting paid for this right now, in my mind. This is part of my job. In your mind. <laughs> no, because, because what do I get paid for by the hour? I'm getting, you know, I'm not getting paid by the hour. So what, the things I do during the day, to me, that's my job. Like, Going to Starbucks and that, that I'm working on stuff for the gym at Starbucks. That's part of my job. When I come here and I teach class, that's part of my job. When I come here and plan how, what I'm going to do for the next week's class, that's part of my job. This is well, just hanging out now. This is a good half hour, 45 minutes or an hour every week where I just don't get interrupted and to hang out and chat with you. So, You wanted to talk about fights? Fuck the fights. <laughs> the only one I care about is Gaethje Vic. 
And I'm, I don't like this fight at all because... Uh, I just don't like the fight at all because... I like Vic and I like Gaethje. I, I mean, I, I know Vic a little better and, and his... I think he's going to hurt Gaethje. I think, I think he's longer and stronger... Um, and I and I think he's more of a, a an, an executioner than um, Gaethje's last two losses. Um, I don't know. Dustin Poirier is pretty brutal too. Uh, I don't know, but I think this one for some reason. Plus, there's so much bad blood between them. Gaethje's had some tough fights uh, coming in the UFC. He's he, fought Michael Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, and Dustin Poirier. I think I think he's gonna get hurt. And he's got another tough fight. He I think Saturday is too big, too strong, too fast. He's, he's tall. Hurt. But what do you think about these guys that are so tall for their weight class? Vic is six three. He's fighting at one fifty five. I don't think it makes a difference. But what do you? I think um, it's a different style matchup. It's I a mean, different style. Gaethje's but not that big. No, but either was Mike Tyson. Uh, I just think uh, if you look at the if you look at this the stats on, on on heights, I don't know what it is. I've never done it, but just eyeballing it, I think most people, the really good fighters in most weight classes, are the average height guys um, for their weight. Not for their fight weight. For, for their, their weight, weight class. Yeah. The guys in the middle. Yeah, they're, they're in the middle. Like, Tyson was short for his weight. He was the best, one of the best heavyweights ever. But then the tall, the really tall six foot six ones, you, they weren't really that good. Ali was like 6'3", and he was really good. But he was 220. You know, well, you two, can put a super tall guy in heavyweight because they can be way a lot more. The weight class is such a big, it's such a big span. But when you're really tall for your weight class at 155, you get really lanky, lanky. really yeah. lanky. Yeah, and I think there's pluses and minuses, and you get the reach, but it's not all about. I don't know. It's not all about the reach. I think it's it'll not. be an interesting matchup. Yeah. So that I don't. I don't Vic's like it. Gonna hurt him, huh? I think Vic's gonna hurt him, and I don't like that because I don't like to see people get hurt. I like Vic. I hope he wins. Pick a different sport to watch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. You should see me watching a fight. I am like this half the time. If anybody's getting hit more than twice in a row, I'm usually like this. My wife's like, how can you be in this business? You can't even watch it. I, I can't. I'm like this. Maybe we should watch tennis or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a bad... I don't, I, I'm not proud to admit this, but I'll say it right now. I think almost all sports are just for bitches. I think they're wimpy. I think they're stupid. I think fighting is the only real sport. But still, when guys are fighting really hard... I, I usually do this because I don't like to see people hurt each other. So, I mean, that's, that's all you got to say about that. But I, I almost brought you back a shirt from the Junior Olympics of water polo, and it said the toughest sport in the world on it. I think you would have worn it. I would have worn it. I, I think water polo is a lot tougher than I thought it was. It's, not, it's nothing like fighting, but... Um, it's a lot tougher than I thought it was. And it's not as wimpy as, as most sports. It's not as wimpy as, like, I don't know, tennis or or, or soccer or what some of those. What do you think those. about baseball? I don't think baseball is a sport. Because, to me, if, if you can smoke and, and play just as well as someone that's not smoking, it has no cardio at all involved, I don't think it's a sport. I think it's a game. So I think it's a good game and a fun game. It's the all-American game. You know, but I don't think it's a sport in any way, shape, or form. So I think football is. Uh, you got to run 
into each other, so it makes it physical, but you don't need any cardio to play. So that kind of let that kind of negates some of it. But you do have to be really strong. You also have to be really strong for powerlifting, but you don't need any cardio. So, but there's no physical. So I don't know. To me, to make it a real sport, there has to be cardio, and there has to be contact. Cardio and contact, or else it's not a full sport. <laughs> I just cardio, came up with that. Yeah, but it's a good one. Cardio and contact. Well, the ultimate cardio and contact is fighting. Is MMA, yeah. Yeah. So the that, cardio is insane. Yeah, like and then and then and then running. You need a lot of cardio, no contact, right? Football. There's a lot of contact, no cardio. Um, so that's my new thing. I'm a, that's a cardio. That, that is a. You better meme. write it down. Because I will forget. I ask me later what you said. Well, it's recorded. Here, you can go back and listen to it. So cardio and contact. Okay. So anyway, okay, speaking of cardio and contact, let's talk about... Don't say it. What? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go on. Um, okay. Confidence. Cardio, contact, and confidence. Confidence, it's been bugging me lately. Because it's always been bugging It's been bugging me for a while. Um, to me... Confidence without competence. And they sound like the same words, so you're probably not even telling the differences. Confidence with an F and competence with a P. Okay, confidence and competence. If you don't have competence with your confidence, right, If then that is called a false sense of security. You're just, you're, you're like, it's like if you're, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're a platoon leader gave you an M16, right, to go fight the enemy, but it was empty. It was not loaded. But you did not know that because you thought he gave you a loaded gun. So you go look at the, you, you go to confront the em enemy with a lot of confidence, say, I'm going to shoot him first, but your gun's shooting blanks. So you're going to die. And that's what happens when you learn these crazy karate moves that mean absolutely nothing, and you think, you think you have confidence because, well, my instructor said that I could hit the sternum like this and it's going to stop his heart, so I'm just going to go in there and do that. So now you have this confidence without any confidence of learning real techniques. So you, you'll, you'll take a fight with someone that's trying to attack your family and you try to do that and then the guy looks at you and smiles and continues to beat the shit out of you. Confidence without competence is a false sense of security, and it will get you killed. What do you think about nice. that? Nice. What about, but there's more to it than just being confident and being competent. There's some respect involved or something else. Otherwise, you could be confident and competent and, uh, you know, do the wrong thing as well. No, you have to have a moral compass. But when you're defending, I have a... I think I'm, you need a C word, though. I know, but I'm, 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 taking, that, I'm taking that one for... Uh, it's for granted? Okay. I'm taking it for granted that you know when and when not to fight because I don't, think, I don't think respect comes into play if you're, if you're being attacked. Yeah, because you can get some cocky guy that's a good fighter and beating people up that he shouldn't be. Right, right. But we're, we're, when I'm teaching people, I'm going to assume they're the good guy. So they're... If they're in a fight, it's not because they just want to, you know, they're attacking someone. They're being attacked. So I, I, I'm going to take that for granted every time until I'm proven wrong. And I've actually had some of my guys get in fights that I found out they weren't really defending themselves. And I've kicked people out of my gym for that. 
I've beaten people for that, and I've suspended my fighters for getting in a bar fight that was, they got pushed first, but they took it a little too far, so I didn't want to kick them off the team, but I suspended them. Well, here's another C word, then. Where do you draw the line between cocky and confident? That's, yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer. Is that, okay, <laughs> cocky, you're a douchebag. <laughs> you could be competent. Well, you could be a copy, cocky, confident, competent guy, <laughs> and then that, that turns you into the B word, <clears throat> a bully. Right, you should right. write a, the Dr. Seuss book. I could have so many of these. I could go all day long with those memes. I'm turning every one of these into a meme. If you're cocky and you're competent and you know how to fight, you're a bully. Right? So what we want to do, what I'm trying to make in my gym and create is, is confident, right? People with moral compasses that are competent because I want the good guy to be better at violence than the bad guy. But I want him to only be the good guy. The bad guy is the bully. It's, it's, being a martial arts instructor, you always want to, you have to go on that line, like, I want to teach my guys how to fight and to defend themselves. But then you're always nervous in the back of your mind. What about that one guy that turns into a freaking douchebag and he uses what you, what you taught him for bad things? And you can't take it back. I, I can't take it back. So I don't know what I would do. I would I'll kick him out of the gym, and I don't know if I could sneak in and while he's sleeping and, and slit, slit his throat or something, <laughs> something like that. I mean, if he turns that bad, but I don't. I've never had a guy go that bad. I've I've had to kick out guys for getting in fights, but I've never had a guy turn into like just this complete douchebag that I know of. Well, I think it, it's the culture you're in and that you're ingrained in and the culture that at least you're trained in, you're, uh, you know, that's just not the environment. No, and I, and I, don't think, I don't think people come here to learn how to beat people up. I think people learn how to come here to learn how to defend themselves and to be a better martial artist and, 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 and there's to the be greatest a group of people, though. They're, They're all amazing creator. people. They are fantastic. So you don't have to live for your weekend. You can live for your Monday and Wednesday Hawaiian Kempo class. Is well, that okay? That, is that acceptable? That's better life. Yeah. I think you should live. I live for every freaking day. Because my weekends are unbelievable. I love my weekends so much because I get to do Madonna. Uh, I get to do the wheelbarrow workout. I get to hang out with my family. I get to watch the fights. And then I love my weekdays because I get to train people. I get to hang out at the gym. I get to socialize with my, with my students and their family. Uh, I get to... I just get to live... How I want to live, and there's nothing better. There's nothing not part better. of your day that you dread? Like, ah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's. Let me tell you, I have, honest. I have something called PT, okay, prostate therapy. Um, and I have prostate therapy five times a week because I want a healthy prostate. And it's a proven medical fact that to have a prostate therapy, a, pros a healthy prostate, you need to have regular prostate therapy. So I put a number on regular because regular is subjective. So my number is five. So I have to have prostate therapy at least five times a week to stay healthy. But let me tell you the days I dread. The days I dread are those days where my prostate therapist wants to go an extra, she wants to work overtime and do that extra day. That is my nightmare. I'm glad you said she. Uh, anyway, <laughs> awkward. You're uh, John's making up his own medicine. I don't know if he learned that in 
medical school, I guess. No, I didn't. I know that because I've studied. I'm a biohacker. Okay, I, I learned that from the Bulletproof guy, Dave Asprey, who I love the Bulletproof diet. I love the Bulletproof coffee. I love, I love the fact that there's so much of that stuff going on now. Um, like with Joe Rogan and, and, and um, just people are so into the keto and, and, and different kind of lifestyles. So speaking of that and the diets and the Pritikin diet and the carbs and the lifestyles, and the fads, because every diet diet it's a fad. There's so many. is a fad. And the newest one is low carb or no sugar, no grain, or whatever you want to call it. And there was data that just came out. I'll have to look at the study. But the highest incidence of mortality was in the low carb group. The regular amount of carbs were actually had the longest longevity, lifespan. Right. Right. And then the high carb was better than the low carb. And yeah. if you study the populations... These people eating low-carb diets that are high in animal fats and animal protein actually don't live as long. So that's an interesting thing. Studies that data that's now coming out as of like this week right. on this fad of there's no carbs right. because you're replacing those carbs with other calories. Right. And you're replacing with proteins, which sounds good, but there is some evidence that if you're replacing all that with animal proteins, and that's mainly what you're eating... Right. The mortality may be and, higher. And There's a lot of variables involved. I don't know lot. all the details. There's so many. But just talking about low-carb diets, that's how people lose weight. You know, I'm just going to eat bacon and butter or whatever they eat. Um, and you're like, yeah. I'm losing weight. That's not always necessarily a good thing. So these it's things not. come in cycles. And you look back at all these diets. You look at this Pritikin diet yeah. back in your first, you know, when you were first working. And, and it, I went on that diet because Pritikin well, himself. What did it do to you? It made me... I felt so good when it came to light, and I felt carb, uh, like cardio, I could, I could jog all day, but I could not, I just didn't feel tough at all, I didn't feel like I had any kind of dynamic strength, um, I used the bathroom like 12 times a day, because I ate so much uh, carbs, and a lot of the carbs were vegetables and fruit, um, but I didn't, I didn't, my energy was never where it is now, now I'm, I'm, I'm not on any real specific diet, um, I do have a lot of fat, but I do, I eat carbs. I'm not a no, these, when they say no carbs, these keto guys, they mean no carbs. Oh, keto is no carbs. They're like no fucking carbs. So I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of in the middle when I say lower carbs. It's just, I'm just not normal. Like everyone, like so many people just eat starches and they, they call those carbs, but they're starches. They're different, but people love their starches. I mean, when you go to a restaurant, they, they give you a whole thing of bread so you can start eating your starches. Then your meal. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. But I don't feel good eating that. I just feel, my, I feel because of my insulin spikes, I feel like this when I mean that. But when I eat more of a dense diet, whether it's, um, whether it's you know, animal fat or a lot of avocados and a lot of nuts and then some protein but a lot of green vegetables, I just feel like this throughout the day. Another thing, even just as important and maybe... Uh, just as important and maybe even more important, I think when when I change up my diet a little bit like I do here and there, but I haven't changed my intermittent fasting, um, I think that's the common denominator. I hate that word. I hate when people say common denominator. I actually want to slap people that say that, but I just did. So anyway. All right. So the common denominator is my uh, intermittent fasting. So I'm going to say that's it. I think, I think also eating a lot of greens, 
very little fruit. Fruit is sugar. I mean, sucrose, fructose, all these things are sugar. So to me, if you eat a lot of, uh, if you eat a lot of fruit, it's like that much better than eating a lot of candy because you get such a high spike of 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 uh, sugar. But anyway, especially if you juice it all, take out all the fiber, and drink a glass of orange juice, drink ten oranges with no actual orange or fiber. It, it's it to me. It's it's. I think it's good once in a while, and it tastes good. But don't kid yourself. You're you're fucking. If you're not. If you don't eat a lot of sugar, though, I I can't even drink juice because you just get so sensitive to sugar that you don't need much. Yeah. You don't need much sugar. The diet I've been on, I and intermittent fasting with so little sugar and fruit. I've, I'm so dialed into now what I want because like I'll eat some meat, I'll eat some greens, I'll eat some you know some some uh, some avocado, and then I'm full. And then when I'm full, I'm full. I just put my plate away. It's like, my dogs are happier now than they've ever been because they get so much leftover stuff because I don't eat everything. Because I intermittent fast, then I eat my first meal about 2 o'clock, my second meal about 5 or 6, then my third meal about 9, and the third, the second meal is sometimes an avocado, sometimes some nuts, sometimes I skip that middle meal, and if I'm not hungry, I don't eat at all. I used to like go places and think... Oh, I gotta pack food. I gotta because I I got. What if I get hungry? Now I don't even worry about it because if I get hungry, you know I'll, I'll eat. I'll eat when I eat because I know I'm not gonna crash when I if I don't eat. I still have plenty of energy. I work out every morning at ten, and I haven't eaten t- since like nine the night before, and I feel perfect. See, I think you can spend all your time focusing on the fuel though, and what am I putting in this engine, and and all the different types of fuel, and I gotta tweak this fuel, and I'm not gonna eat for this amount of time, and I'm gonna not have that kind of fuel food, but you know that doesn't work. You know, you're miss a big part of. Your diet is the exercises. Do you, how many days a week do you work out? Five. Five days a week. So you have two rest days. That's perfect. And you are working out more than probably 99% of the country. And harder. So if you try to apply your diet to the masses of people that don't work out like you, it's not the same thing at all. Your, your body's tuned to be dealing with this fuel differently. I do. I think, I think that's true. But I think, I think if you stick to a... a, a um, a reasonable diet of a lot of fat could be nuts. A lot of denser food. I just throw in fat. I call it dense, but it's fat. Like, uh, and a lot of, I love bacon, but I know that's not the end all, but, um, fat and protein, right. But mainly fat. And then, and then tons of greens to me, if you, that's your carb. When you start like, you know, calling starches carbs, then that's to me that's the downfall. To me that decides if the diet's going to be good or not. You can eat all the carbohydrates as you want, right? In the form of low glycemic index foods like greens, and then you can eat a lot of good fats. And I like more protein than keto talks about. Keto is almost all fat. With I want a little more protein than that. But I mean, if I my meal is my meals are mainly a little fat heavier, then some protein, and then a lot of greens. I feel better than I've ever felt in my life with the intermittent fasting. I've, ne- I've never had the kind of energy I have now. Never. I mean, I'm, I'm 60, and I was fighting at 20 or 15. I've never had this kind of energy. So, I don't know. That's all. I, we got to do our blood test. Okay, let's, do, let's, let's talk about when we're going to do that right now.
<laughs> right now, make a schedule. We are, it's the 23rd of August. When's the last time you had blood work done? Since like, since when I was like, I don't know. <laughs> the, you I, get life insurance, you have to get blood work done. Um, I think Anything, the, nothing? I think the Marriage, last, you get a blood test for marriage? No, I think the last time I had my blood test was probably when I went to work for the prison. Yeah, they like, probably made you get your blood tested and you get tested. Back when you were fighting, I'm sure you got your blood tested. Yeah, I got that all the time then. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe a, there's probably a hospital here and there in between where, no, probably the probably in the 90s. So what do you want to get tested in your blood? I like to get my, uh, um, I like to get um, my triglycerides, cholesterol, cholesterol and testosterone. Yeah, that's good. It's the only ones I you care should, about. Yeah, but you should get a basic metabolic panel and checks your, you know, labs. I always look at it this way. You know, I do surgery on people, and we want to make sure they're healthy before they have their surgery. And I order labs on people if they haven't had them done lately. And a lot of times they haven't had labs. And you do catch things that people, I'm telling people all the time about stuff in their blood work that they had no idea. Just because they're not looking. Just because you're not looking doesn't mean it's not going on and it's not there. You and I have different philosophies if on I this. I don't he's, see it there, I don't want ignorance know. is bliss it's kind bliss. of a medical treatment. <laughs> that's the way ignorant people think, and I'm fine with that. I'd rather be ignorant. It's not an ignorant a, people. It's ignorant I'm, of your, you know, what what's going on in your body. You want to know. You, you judge it based on how you feel. I don't want to You don't that. need a lab test to go, I know my hemoglobin is normal, and I know my kidneys are working. I'm peeing. My kidneys are working. <laughs> right. That's what I'm okay. Saying. How you're about this? Breathing. I'm peeing. Uh, you must have some hemoglobin. No, the fact that I have hemoglobin. Yeah. Okay. So I have hemoglobin. That's my. It's working fine. My 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 alve- alveoli are working fine. You have I know your that. own sensors. The labs okay. are just a way of right. testing things that you're testing on your own. But you know? how's this? Okay. So that works fine. So I know my hemoglobin's fine. I know my alveoli's fine. Um, I know my oxygen percentages are fine, um, and I know that. You don't, G- know, if pro- you don't know if your prostate therapy is working. Yeah. Well, I know that I'm. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. Um, but I do know that um, Junior's working fine, so I know that my testosterone level must be at least adequate. Is that the word Heather uses? Oh. <laughs> adequate. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> no, I mean, wow. And, Adequate. And, well, if that's all you're shooting for, maybe we don't need to check your labs. No, I thought you were. I had my blood work done. Junior is. Really? I'm more nervous if she called him Junior than Adequate. <laughs> I'd rather be Adequate. I call him Junior than the other way around. But anyway, so you know yours are good. Okay. So. Well, no, I I haven't checked my uh, certain things. You just don't check, but I've checked my cholesterol every once in a while. You know, you get life insurance policy or something. They check those things. They yeah. look at those things. So you kind of know where you're at. And if you do go to a physician, you're probably going to get yearly labs where they check things like that for you. And then they check them and you go, yeah, I knew they were fine. That's fine. But, I, okay, I know two things. Number one, if my BP is high, which it is. I know it, it always it has been since I was a kid. I know that for a fact. I remember as a fighter, as a teenage fighter, I remember the doc was, hey, your blood pressure is kind of high. Let's recheck it. But, okay, and if, but I'm never going to take something for blood pressure. I just wouldn't do it. I would, try to, I would try to correct it, you know, naturally or working at something. And uh, cholesterol, I, I mean, I could change my diet up a little bit, but 
just as many people say now that starches raise your cholesterol more than meats. Well, the, the debate forever was that dietary cholesterol affected your body's cholesterol. Right. Whereas there's other things. There's exercise. Right. There's genetics. There's a lot of other things that are probably more important. Um, anyway, but I think, and also just knowing your cholesterol, and if that's associated with heart disease or something else, it doesn't. It's not always a causative link. Like it didn't cause it, and just taking a medicine to make that lower does that decrease your risk? And there's always medical studies coming out and things changing. But it, you know, I think getting labs done isn't going to hurt. So if you're interested in what your cholesterol is, your triglycerides, testosterone, testosterone levels. Should you be taking anything, you know? That kind yeah, of and, and, and we're going to do that, and we're going to put the, the results here, and then we're going to try to change it. Um, if we have to change anything, we're going to try it um, naturally, um, like change diet, maybe work out differently. Uh, I don't know how I'd work out differently. I really don't. I mean, because I do cardio. I, do, I, I don't know what I would change. Uh, I do intermittent. Maybe I would change my diet, maybe less red meat. Um, I don't know. And then for the testosterone, I don't know, maybe I'd lift heavy one or two days a week or I don't know. Uh, what else do you get to raise your testosterone level? I don't know. Um, but I'd figure out some. But we're going to do that. So you guys out there, check it out. We're going to be checking our testo our our lab work and we're going to we're going to we're going to see if we can biohack and make the changes that we that we might need to make. What do you think about that? That might be interesting. Are you? Do, you just told us though. You feel the best you've ever felt. You have more best energy than ever. You've ever had. Ever. You don't need to change anything. I know, but if if there's <laughs> depends on the numbers a little because, like I said, junior junior works at least five times a week, and that's all I care about. My my uh, prostate therapy. So to me, that tells me at 60 years old, uh, my testosterone must be working. Plus, I hit pretty damn hard still. Um, I can lift a fair amount of weight. My cardio is pretty good. Uh, even if the testosterone number was low, I can imagine if it was higher the way I'm feeling and performing. So I don't know. But we're going to find out. We'll find out. So to sum it up, cardio... Contact and prostate therapy. So you can, John's going to figure out how to combine all those and get back to you. Cardio, <laughs> if you have those, your life, that's going to change. These, these are the things important to John. Cardio, contact. In that order. And, uh, <laughs> well, they could all be in the same. Anyway, figure out how to combine all those, John. I will, and I'll get back to you. All right, guys. Thanks for coming. Please share. Make this the be the most famous, watched, and listened to podcast in the world. Yeah, this is episode, what is it? 42? 40-something. 40 or 43. So we're, we started this in October of last year. So where are we at? We're in August. Wow. What we're are we going to do for our one-year show is coming up? Who should we have on? You guys write in. Tell us who you think we should have in. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or SoundCloud, or YouTube. Uh, let us know who you want us to have or what you want us to do on our one-year anniversary. That'll be good. It's coming up. All right. All right, John. Good All right. Thanks.